Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. UK's very own Newcastle United podcast Time Warp. I'm once again joined by Harry and Dan from the last podcast and this one's going to be quite a different one. Uh, looking back at the game from Friday, which seems like more than a few days ago now um, and what could potentially happen for the game on Friday but we'll get into that later so just wanted to see your thoughts about the game on Friday. That Friday just gone, that is. It was as bad as what we expected for 88 mm-hmm. minutes. I was sitting there until the 88th minute pretty sick, to be honest. I was mm-hmm. like, what on earth are we watching? We arguably slightly edged it over the 90 minutes. Second half, maybe not. But we got the three points, which is the main thing. Just it wasn't pretty to watch, really. Mm-hmm. It was arguably everything we expected, but we actually won the game. It was an <laughs> awful awful match to watch mm-hmm. we shaded them just it was two bang average teams and thankfully we've got an outstanding striker up front who can bail you out in these big games and that's what Crystal Palace were missing Callum Wilson was the difference on Friday yeah because they had they had quite a lot of chances Dolo made a few really good saves Fernandez with that the uh, really good block where he slid in and uh, hit his back but it, it was just awful watching i was really tempted to turn it off after about 60 minutes it was it was just atrocious to watch i just don't know what the game plan was throughout mm. the entire match there was nothing apart from defend well stay in the game and then 
see what happens at the end. And just like against Spurs, Wolves and Newport, we got a, a goal at the end and ended up getting a positive result. Yeah, I was pretty much just sitting there waiting for us to concede because we've seen it time and time again, the amount of these games where we don't turn up and the other team grabs a goal. And they had their chances, you know, Van Arnholt flashing one just wide. It would have been typical if he'd got the winner again, but thankfully it wasn't to be. I think we have to thank Carl Darlow once again for for another outstanding performance. Two yeah, huge saves in, in either half. The one to deny Schlupp, but ultimately that one against Benteke. I think as soon as he, he jumped up for that header, I think everyone thought that was mm. going to nestle in the back yeah. of the net. But what a change we've seen in Carl Darlow. We've seen it over, over we've said it over the past few weeks, the, the change we have seen him. But the big thing I saw from him on Friday was now that ability for him to command the back four and tell him mm-hmm. exactly what he wants. I remember I used to have a season ticket in when we used to play the championship. We used to sit behind the goal in the Leasers and we played QPR and we drew 2-2 against them. Kieran Clark scored no goal. And all I can remember was Carl Darlow not speaking to his defender to tell him to clear the ball. That's always stuck in my mind with him now, but watching him on Friday, that's that's totally gone out of his game and, and what a goalkeeper he is now. Yeah, he was, he was really good. Some of the saves were just amazing. I just can't believe Southgate had the nerve to say that no English keeper is outperforming Jordan Pickford <laughs> at the minute when you've got Alex McCarthy who was conceded three against Man United but made some unbelievable saves yep. and then Carl Darlow making saves and saves like that every single week it's just baffling it's disrespectful I think though to, to, mm-hmm. to turn around and say that the second choice goalkeeper at Man United who barely gets a game is yeah. miles ahead of the currently the, the best goalkeeper in England I know a lot of other Premier League fans will argue that Edouard Mendy's is having a fantastic season. Mm-hmm. Yes, Mendy should take plaudits for the start he's had to his Chelsea career, but does he have a £150 million plus defence in front of him? Yes, he does. Does Carl Darlow have two centre-halves usually in front of him that were both relegated with their previous clubs? Yes, he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He's he's saved for so many points this season. Like him and Wilson have like been unbelievable at winning with games at both ends of the pitch, and that's... That's something we've missed. We've had someone at one end of the pitch to save and keep winning games, but then struggled at the other end. But Bruce Bruce walks away from Selhurst Park, walks away from London again with a, a smile on his face, a smug look to the reporters and say, <laughs> there you go, 2-0, clean sheet, a win in London, how often does that happen? And he's, he remains unbeaten in the capital this season. I, I'm reluctant to give him praise because like we were saying before, we watched... We know what we watched. Mm-hmm. We might have won, but we know what we watched. It wasn't It wasn't yeah. good. And I suppose we are 13 for the league at the minute. We're not going to be any real, in any real danger of going down. Yeah. But it's, no. it's so boring. It really is. I mean, we're terrible for 88 minutes. But the, yeah. awful. the pundits won't see that. They'll just see, what are them daft Newcastle fans complaining about? Yeah. They've won 2-0 away at Crystal Palace. Kept a clean sheet. They've got Callum Wilson up front, who's scored seven goals from eight shots on target. What's the problem? Do you guys agree with me on the point that Callum Wilson is the most important player this club has signed probably since Rondon on loan a few years ago? Yeah, he, uh, he's, yeah, he say he's way more important than Rondon. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, you I'd, had other players then. You had Gale Perez, who could yeah, who could potentially play down the middle. Now you've you've got absolutely no one. In terms of important signings, he's, he's, I'd say he's best. Other than that, I think mm. we're looking at Dubravka maybe, mm. four million quid. But Definitely, yeah. He, he saved us a lot of points last season. But, but just having someone who A, knows where to be and B, can finish is just 
it's ridiculous for Newcastle United. It it just doesn't happen. Like going through in the eighth minute, I I've never known myself to be more confident that this is going to end up in the back of the net. Yeah, as soon as he took that touch and he threw on goal, mm-hmm. not at one point did I think he could miss this. Yeah, I could pretty much start celebrating straight away because he's so calm on the ball and like to wait that long and get that close to Gaeta to make him go down just put it through his legs was ridiculous yeah. well did you see the post-match analysis when he, he'd done the interview with, with Amazon after the game and he said that they'd been studying the way the goalkeeper comes out uh, I mean yeah. that's unbelievable it's an unbelievable knack to have in such mm. a high pressure moment the late point in the game it's nil-nil just to think right I know the keeper's going to come out I'm going to put it through his legs talking about it at training to then doing it in the 88th minute when it's nil-nil yeah. just an unbelievable mentality yeah he did a very similar thing for one of the penalties he scored. I can't remember if it was Burnley or Everton, but after the game he said he knew that's where he was going. So he's clearly a player that does his research and knows he knows where to put things. <laughs> yeah, it's always a good thing for when you when you have a striker that knows where the net is, which sounds stupid, <laughs> but it's something we haven't had for I know. A bit a permanent striker since Dembabar. He he's he's definitely on that level of Dembabar of accomplished footballer it's not just a finisher he just works the opposition's defence for 90 minutes he's he's a great player to have and I'm so happy we signed him I mean the night for him as a whole it was very frustrating for him it was Joe Linton that was was getting all the chances I'm sure we'll move Mm -hmm. on to how well Joe Mm -hmm. Linton played but when called upon he's come up huge and he's he's delivered us a vital three points and it's the three points we may look at at the end of the season and it could just be the difference between staying up and going down and that is what Wilson is to us this season mm-hmm. yeah definitely I think the thing with you saying about Joe Linton the stat that they said was he had more shots against Crystal Palace than he had the entire season so far and he was getting into some good positions and yeah, he was doing some good things it, it was just until he scored it was just that even his goal to be fair it was that finish that was lacking he had a shot straight out like in the first five minutes that went about 30 yards wide of the goal but he looked at a more comfortable player than he has in recent games don't know whether it was just me but I thought he looked a lot more confident because he had that goal scorer next to him in Wilson he's not got that weight on his shoulders anymore of I have, I'm the number nine and I've got to score the goals he's got Wilson next to him who's who's going to do that for him but with Joe Linton he worked his socks off once again in mm-hmm. terms of his performance I thought he played really well got himself in the right positions but any accomplished striker would have had a hat-trick with the chances yeah. he had his yeah. play was really good like his, his play in the game is often quite good he's not bad at holding the ball up when it's played into his feet and bringing someone else into it but if it hadn't been for us scoring two late goals, I think the general consensus, he would have probably got slaughtered for missing those chances, yeah. mm-hmm. which yeah. is maybe a bit unfair, but it's the way it is. But I think he's that role he's playing, he's basically been told, right, just do everything apart from score and you'll be fine. Yeah. Just let, let Wilson score the goals and you mm-hmm. do everything else. Because when he was bringing the ball under control and running the players, he looked, he looked really good. He doesn't have he that did. pace, but... He was keeping the ball close to him. He wasn't falling over the ball. And he actually looked like a, I'm not going to say a decent player, but he looked like a half-decent player. Yeah. He looked like someone that could play football. Probably yeah. his best performance for us, I think, ever, would we say? Maybe, maybe Tottenham away when he, when he got the winner? Yeah. But he even was, then, he didn't even yeah. play well. I don't no, think he just no. scored. He was a nuisance, wasn't he? All game. Mm-hmm. But what I really liked about him was he didn't just 
give up and, and shirk away. He kept going, kept plucking mm-hmm. away. And the assist mm-hmm. for Wilson's goal, that was all Joe Linton. I know Wilson's finish mm-hmm. was, he'll take the headlines, yeah. it was his goal. But if it wasn't for that little flick over the top, none mm-hmm. of that would have happened. No, that's mm-hmm. top-class link to play that. It really was. Yeah, the way they worked together was great, like all game. But for Wilson's goal, it summed it up how they kept the ball up in the air and then both kept their composure to do what they needed to do. I think Joe Linton's actual goal summed up his performance in many ways because he did really <laughs> yeah. well. He sent, was it Scott mm-hmm. Dan, completely the wrong way mm-hmm. and then he unleashes one of the most pathetic efforts I've ever seen. <laughs> and thankfully he got a lucky deflection, but a goal he deserved, but that really yeah. summed him up in my opinion. But you can see how much it means to the players though when he scores as well because even mm-hmm. Wilson after the game was going, oh, I'm really happy Joe's got a goal. They know mm-hmm. he's shot of confidence, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just hoping for his, for his football and career that it's the start of something better for him now in a Newcastle shirt and hopefully we've finally got a position for him in the team where we can utilise him You could see from his celebration how relieved he was that he got the goal, and because it, it's not like a goal where it's just a tap in, it's a goal where he's earned it himself, he's obviously got the ball from Wilson, kept control took it past the defender and then if you don't shoot you, you're never going to score, Yeah, mm-hmm. and he had his fair amount of shots in that game so he, he deserved it, but I think it did sum it up where he had a shot, it took the deflection, and Gaeta still nearly got back and saved it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a very Joel Linton goal, but I was delighted for him. I shouted more and celebrated more when he scored than when Wilson did. Yeah, also it was 88 minutes when Callum Wilson scored. You kind of felt Palace could still get something from the game. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I think I remember I was watching the game with my dad. I just turned around and said, oh, well, at least we've got a point. You still take a point in the 88th minute when you're 1-0 up. Yeah. But he definitely deserves a, a shout-out for the performance. And someone else that did was uh, Fernandez. Again, we talked yeah. about him being Mr. Reliable, and he, he was once again. He got unfairly booked, I think, during the game. Oh, that yeah. was a very harsh booking. Oh. But he's just so smart. You can tell he's an older defender. He doesn't dive in very often. He... He steps back when he needs to. He gives himself a couple of yards because he knows he's not the quickest. And then that block against, was it Coyote or Benteke? I think it was, it was one of the two, was unbelievable. Yeah. It was sensational, that block. It put his body on the line there. I mean, he needed that performance after the Chelsea game, but what yeah. a way to turn it around again. It was his first poor game we've ever seen from him in that Chelsea match, but just turned it on and showed again what a class defender he is. I think it's fair to give Clark a shout-out as well. I thought yeah. for, for a lad who's second game back from injury in the Premier League, he didn't mm-hmm. look like he'd been away at all. Um, no. And that is a really, I think I said it last week as well, potentially a really good partnership. It is. You know, with it's the a Cell, shame that the Cells has been great. Yeah, yeah but it he'll is, come uh, back in because he's captain he will, yeah. and a, apparently a leader. But it's just so much better with Clark as well because you have a left-footed centre-half playing yeah. on the left-hand side of defence. It just makes it so much more easier to clear the ball I think he's the most underrated player at the club to be honest mm-hmm. every time I've seen Clark play he's, he's always he's always been spot on always always puts a shift in always gives a good performance and mm-hmm. Dan touched on it last time in the in the podcast it is is the left footed centre off you know yeah. so many clubs cry out for them seeing City spend 50 million on Nathan Ake shows <laughs> how important he is yeah but I think we'll have a, a decent spine to our squad now so obviously you've got Darlow Dubravka you've got Fernandez at the back Hayden in midfield and then Wilson up front. It's a, a good base to then build around that squad. Obviously, Shelby came back in the midfield as well. What what did he make of his performance? I don't really think he did anything good or bad. He was he, yeah. just, he was just there. Like I saw a lot of people saying 
think it was the Chronicle on Newcastle tweeted out saying how good was this man, and I'll say <laughs> probably a six out of ten. He just he was just steady. Yeah, he just he didn't do anything amazing. I think he had one good long range pass, and instantly my dad turned to us and was like, "See, that's why he's in the team." And then like <laughs> five minutes later, he gave the ball away. I was like, "Hi, oh, and that's why he shouldn't be in the team." <laughs> I think the one good thing about Shelby is it gives you that different dimension and something we'll yeah. lack again, especially against yeah, the bigger does. sides in the league. It's that player that can spring that 50, 60 yard pass. You see, like Sean Longstaff and Hayden, as much as I think they're a lot more reliable and solid option than Shelby, the, the longest they're going to hit a ball is 20 yards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But overall, you can complain as much as you want. Bruce will just turn around and say, well, one, got three points in a clean sheet. But actually, just remember that's something I wanted to touch on. Both Bruce and Hodgson in that pre-match interviews on Amazon both said that they didn't take notice or look at stats in training or in the lead up to games and I was really amazed to think that <laughs> both of them pick a team just by looking at players like that that can't be right and how much are these guys getting paid to do that yeah. as well <laughs> I'm guessing you it was an exaggeration but even to come out with that is just idiotic from both of them well the interesting part of that is it's two managers that are under fire from both sets of supporters. Well, I think Hodgson's contract's up after this season. Yeah. He said he's not signing a new one, so it's a bit like, just keep Palace up and he's yeah. he, he's all right. Well, I think he'll succeed in that, but it was certainly his yeah. fault for the for the way they lost the game. I mean, they took yeah. took a midfielder off and brought on Batshuayi, went for the jugular, yeah. fair play at them, somebody had to go for it. You knew, you knew Bruce wouldn't. And fortunately, <laughs> yeah. we've took advantage of them, thrown another forward and we've nicked the game. Yeah, played right into, into Bruce's hands, them going for it. It then meant he didn't have to force a, a sub on that he didn't want to make. And then somehow we've won 2-0. And it really should have been another added to the list of 1-0s, 0-0s or 1-1s. Yeah. yeah. But what we were going to talk about next was previewing the game again on a Friday night. This time on Sky against Aston Villa. But as many people would have seen, the club has suffered a rather large outbreak of coronavirus cases. Still not confirmed or where it came from, who brought it back. few suggestions about a player coming back from international duty, but what do you think of this and how typical is it that it's Newcastle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the, it was always going to be one club, wasn't there? And it, you could probably bet on it being Newcastle. Yep. But uh, it it's, it's hard to speak really without any of the facts because we don't, no, it's, any of you think it's it's odd that they don't release the names of these players? It would be nice as fans to know what the crack was. Well, we've got a rough idea who the players are, but I don't think we're in a position to, to speculate on who no. they are. No. I think, well, obviously Hayden being omitted from the squad, he's he would have definitely played, so we can assume he's isolating or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's it's a shame if the game be off. I mean, it's it means Newcastle are unlikely to ruin our weekend. For a change, that's but... one consolation, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah, that is always a plus. It is a very Newcastle thing to do, considering we were the first club to ban handshakes in the training ground. I remember that. Oh yeah, that <laughs> infamous piece. And now, yeah. so we were the most proactive, and now we're the first club to suffer an outbreak. It, like, it's just unbelievable. There's always something going on, isn't there? It's never yeah. boring writing about Newcastle no. United. If you are listening to this podcast, ever do want to come and write, there's always plenty of stuff for you to do. <laughs> uh, in terms of the COVID outbreak at the minute, we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday afternoon, so the chances are the game's probably called off. A lot of the reporters up here seem to be 
leaning towards that the game is going to be postponed. It sounds like there's between five and ten players have contracted coronavirus, which I mm-hmm. don't know how. If we're in a national lockdown, they've contracted yeah. COVID. I, I, I do not know. But, but it's surely, do you think it's a national break related? I think we've got a rough idea who the, who the player was who brought it back, but once again, I don't think we're going to speculate on who it is. I wonder who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the training ground completely in lockdown now, nothing getting done. If the game does go ahead, I can see we're getting absolutely bad against yeah. Villa with no prep, many players out, and they have a, a chip on their shoulder now after that late VAR fiasco last night. But I just don't even know what to say. Like the first club to have a outbreak in the football in the top four leagues, I'm pretty sure. I think it's, so. Yeah. I no, think there's been a few games cancelled here and there in the EFL. Late Orient, I think they had a, they had a major one, didn't they? Because their game against mm. Spurs got called off, but not in the Premier League. Oh yeah. Obviously, you don't want anyone to get it, but hopefully, it isn't any of our what big first team players. Basically, it's not Callum Wilson or Darlow, and I think <laughs> we're fine. Yeah, it's a shame though, especially for how we won on Friday. To build on that, like we'll touch on again, like Joe Linton. Uh, um, it's a shame for him coming off back of a goal and assist and a man of the match performance probably unless uh, you give it to Eze <laughs> defeat. thanks Andy Townsend that was unbelievable give it to a striker that played in a 2-0 defeat stunning uh, it's a shame for Joe or Big Joe we should call him <laughs> uh, yeah he would have been looking forward to this game against some suspect Aston Villa defenders but hopefully he can just keep he, keep his mind going and thinking about what he did right and build on that for the next game in terms of the game being called off, I know there's been a lot of rumours going round, should we say. I mean, we all we were all last night in our, our writers tra- trying to work out who can play. There was talk of you can bring under-23s up. And th- the list here was that uh, Premier League clubs will be forced to play, even if the squad does suffer a COVID outbreak. And postponement requests will, will be rejected unless there is fewer than 14 players can play. But that's been refuted today by uh, Craig Hope of the Daily Mail. Uh, he turned around and said there is no definitive number on players unavailable that will trigger a cancellation, mm. and it's based on a case-by-case basis. So that tells me if it is case-by-case and we've got 10 out, we'll not be playing on Friday, unfortunately. Common sense yeah. would say that they'll just say, yeah, clearly you're at a disadvantage. And not only that, but if the players that are eligible to play will have been in contact with players exactly. who've had COVID, so I'm not sure Aston Villa would be very keen on the idea. Yeah, that's the thing. It it could start a spread not just in Newcastle but in the whole league, and it potentially could bring the league to a stop. Mm-hmm. I don't know if then that would bring about a fine or something for irresponsible handling of the situation or or something. But the smart thing is surely just just to cancel it for one week. Regardless of what happens, it's going to be interesting because if this game does go ahead, I would expect a Mike Ashley statement having a pop at the Premier League <laughs> for uh, forcing us to play a game with a potentially ten players out. Any yeah. excuse? We all know he likes a he likes a statement of the Premier oh, League yes. at the minute. <laughs> so last night was the FA Cup third round draw, something that a lot of clubs wait for and anticipate for, especially the lower league clubs. And there was one team who got a dream draw last night. Was it Marine? Yeah, against Got, Spurs, uh, yeah, Tottenham Hotspur, stunning draw for them. I think I saw something like the gate money or TV money, if they can get fans in or whatever, will keep them sustained for 12 months, like just off that TV money they'll get. Which yeah, is brilliant. It, it's unbelievable for them. Something that was less good was Newcastle's draw, which oh. is seeing them 
exit the FA Cup third round 2020-21 already as they have Arsenal away where they have failed to score at the Emirates for I think five years now I think maybe more sounds about right yeah probably we don't do very well in London apart from this season usually and the Emirates is one of those grounds where we do horrendously (laughs) I remember many many heavy defeats there I just want the game written off and forfeited really yeah, I'll, I'll take a three 0 loss as long as we don't uh, get any players injured. But I don't think we've yeah. won at Arsenal since twenty ten when Andy Carroll scored. Andy Carroll was that the header? Yeah, it was the header. Yeah, but it was about time Steve Bruce got a got a tough cup draw. It's all he's yeah. had is he's had his League One teams <laughs> all the way through. Even our League I Cup know. run, we've played relatively no one. We've got ourselves to a quarter final stage. Well, yeah, we could get the semi final without playing a fellow Premier League team. It, it's mad. We're all sitting here writing off Newcastle against Arsenal because Arsenal aren't great at the minute we're actually ahead of them in the table but we all know what Newcastle are like against the supposed top teams we give them far too much respect we'll sit with a flat back five we all we could probably write the match report now between us we know what's going to happen it's going to be a horrendous affair very likely going to be on telly as well because it's probably the biggest tie out of the clubs that are pitched together Mm -hmm. and I'm just not looking forward to it I don't like playing Arsenal Arsenal fans are delighted because it's a, a free ticket into the next round but at least you can't have everything, I suppose. You can't have Premier League safety. Have an amazing manager in Steve Bruce and get to a quarter final, the illustrious Carabao Cup. <laughs> I'm just looking at the fixtures now, and we play Arsenal, um, to be confirmed, of course, but it looks like we're going to play Arsenal in the third round of the FA Cup on the 9th of January at the Emirates. And then we're going to play them exactly a week later at the Emirates in the Premier League. So it's going to be two games against yeah. Arsenal. Uh, in a week so I'm sure we're all looking forward to that one of course there'll be fans in for that one as well would would imagine yeah there will be yeah that seems like a a weekend of work <laughs> watching the match definitely well we can just hope though might get some under 23 players playing before them because Mahan might be forced that uh, Elliot Anderson might get a run out he appeared on the bench uh, against Crystal Palace which is good to see uh, yeah has a lot a lot of uh, rave reviews from in and around the the club at the minute I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what he can do when he eventually gets his chance I was calling out for him uh, to get on the pitch against Palace but mm-hmm. obviously we ended up nicking it anyway but it would have been yeah. nice to see him because for me, I haven't seen him play I don't think ever when I've gone when I've seen the 23s at all like, I haven't mm-hmm. been in a few years so it's sort of an unknown quantity so mm-hmm. it is exciting so got to hope that he's the next long staff I think for our yeah. 23s as a whole, we've not really had much to shout about, however, other than the other no. than the Longstaff brothers. But he scored two goals against Bolton, albeit them, them being a League Two side. But the kid's 18 and he's captain in the under 23s. Aye. That's just a yeah, testament that... of what type of player we've actually got on my hands here. And I just hope mm-hmm. the club nurture him and give him the game time in the right way instead of taking him down the Elias Sorensen route of yeah. loaning him to a League Two side where he's not going to get a game. And now he's playing his trade in the Dutch second division. What a goal that was as well, by the way, against Bolton. Oh Dutch, yeah, the first time check. Yeah, he's got. He looks like he's got something about him. Hundred percent. That's the thing. Not just his footballing ability. He seems to have a good mentality and footballing right. brain on him to captain a team that's at least that's five years older than you. He must command a lot of respect in the in the dressing room and have a, a really wise and old head on young shoulders. Yeah, definitely. So as we look ahead to the game on Friday, we'll have to make a, a quick prediction, albeit the game is very likely going to be off, but you never know with Newcastle United. They could find a, 
a miracle vaccine from Mike Ashley's <laughs> illustrious contact list. So what do you think the score will be against Aston Villa on Friday if the game goes ahead? I think we'll get beat 2-0. I think we'd get be 2-0 COVID or not, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at Villa Park last year for the 2-0 and it was just so poor and I think probably mm-hmm. a repeat of that. Hard to say because we don't actually know who's in the team, who's not on the team, but mm-hmm. general consensus is we'll lose anyways. I'm going to go with 2-0 to Villa as well. I'm going to go for 3-1, I think, to Aston Villa if it goes ahead. But like we said, as we're recording at 20-4 on December the 1st, still going ahead but looking more and more likely every day that it's going to get called off but thanks for listening that'll be all for today's episode of time warp make sure to check out all the other episodes if you've missed any and to check out vavel's website for all the coverage of this week's games thanks for listening and goodbye sports social podcast network with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.